All right, welcome everyone to Telecom Radio One. This is your host, Phil Howard, the most bearded man in telecom. Today, we're talking about a very controversial subject, enterprise VoIP. And when we talk enterprise, we have to bring some big guns to the show. So we're bringing Pete Caperonis and Chris Muggleston, aka Mugs. Mugs, am I getting this right? You got it. You got it. Appreciate uh, it. Mugs is here. Good afternoon. Awesome. These gentlemen are from Macergy. So Macergy is very well known in the industry for providing the best customer service. Now, you know, Ira from Nextiva may have a problem with that, but I actually do believe you guys provide the best customer service in the industry. But today, we're talking specifically about enterprise VoIP. And you wouldn't, most people, when they think Macergy, they think MPLS, but we all know MPLS is dead. I don't care what you say, MPLS is dead. Okay, it's dead, Pete. Get that in your head. Most people don't think of um, a voice or voice over IP and Macergy in the same sentence. They think MPLS, they think international MPLS, they think networking. So I'm going to let you go from here. I'll let you start off, Pete. Okay, enterprise voice. Sure. There's a lot of skepticism around it. You know, why should someone even be thinking about enterprise VoIP to begin with, as opposed to going to, you know, the old route where we, we call up Avaya, we call up Shortel or now Mitel because they, they bought them. You know, why would anyone think enterprise VoIP with you guys? Sure. So, and thanks for having us, Phil. Um, yeah, you know, I think there's a number of reasons why, you know, just about everybody is looking at the cloud. So that obviously we've seen adoption in, uh, the SMBs and in the mid market, and I think we're we're starting to scratch the surface here on the enterprise uh, in terms of VoIP. You know the reasons are the same. There's much more scalability. There's much more um, disaster recovery ability and business continuity in the cloud. You have the ability to scale very easily. You can start off with a portion of your enterprise and migrate to uh, you know the the totality, or even keep it as kind of a hybrid solution. And the last thing I would say is MPLS is not dead. <laughs> we'll talk about that another time. Hey, Muggs, now for every sales rep, we must have a sales engineer or someone that actually knows what they're talking about on the line. That's you. So give me a, give me a, you know, what are your thoughts on this enterprise VoIP? A lot, there's not many companies out there that do it. They kind of steer away from it. I would say they stay stick in the small business to, to, you know, medium-sized business. But when I think enterprise VoIP, I'm thinking well north of 5,000 seats. What are your thoughts on that with, with Macergy? How are, you know, what are the, I guess, what are some of the, some of the benefits? Like, why would they do that? Because I would say from a person like myself that does play in the enterprise space, you know, pricing is an issue. You're now paying kind of like a user license versus the old school, you know, get a, get a Cisco call manager, throw it up in, you know, throw it in a data center and, and buy some SIP trunking. And in the long run, maybe the, you know, the CapEx OpEx is better. Why, you know, from your perspective, why enterprise VoIP on a hosted solution like Macergy? Sure. Well, good afternoon. Uh, Chris Muggleston, again, cloud communications manager for Macergy. And I, I think really a, a couple things there. So the first would be, in my opinion, is you know, we're not all things to all people, right? We focus on network, we focus on security, we focus on enterprise voice, okay? So so we own and maintain our, our own platform that is fully redundant in the East Coast and the West Coast. So our, our story around our, our pillars or our products is we are, are laser focused on 
enterprise space um, when it comes to those three areas of focus. So from the voice perspective, again, you know, I think when you talk about enterprises that have, uh, for example, CPE deployed, um, you know, you gave an example of Cisco. Um, you know, the reality is, you know, look what Cisco just did. Cisco just acquired the best of breed technology uh, person in the market, which was Broadsoft Broadworks. Um, and that is what Maestri is running in our East and West Coast pops, again, fully redundant to each other. So I think, you know, what, what we like to talk about a lot is, and there's a couple things, what our net promoter score, you know, we just, what we do, we do very well. And, and, and our customers are the ones that, that say that about us. Um, you know, as far as the platform, it's best of breed. It is the, the Broadsoft is the leader in the technology space. And, and we think Cisco just solidified that by making that purchase. Mm. That's a good point. And now, which, which is interesting is, is Cisco, Cisco purchased Broadsoft, yet Correct. most of the phones, most of the phones that people use are Polycom phones. And so I just, I'm just wondering what Polycom's thinking about that because Cisco manufactures <laughs> phones. I'm just wondering what Polycom's going to do. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's like a secret at all, but Polycom is actually a Macer G customer, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of that stuff's going to shake out. You know, I think you've got the best of breed technology partners in the market. For example, Polycom and, and Panasonic, there's some things going on there. You know, you, you alluded to Mitel and Shortel. You've got Cisco and Broadsoft going on. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the crystal ball, but I can tell you that the, the partners that, that Macergy has um, synchronized with over the years is proving to be a good decision. You know, Polycom, yeah, to your point, you know, Polycom is a Macergy customer for their voice. So if you think about that for a second, in the medium to enterprise space, you know, more enterprise, Polycom, they could have selected anyone to, to handle their voice traffic, but they, they selected us. Um, they've been a customer of ours for, I think, over three years now. We have some of their network as well, but you know, Polycom is, is again, one of the best breed um, partners in the space, and, and we service them from a voice perspective. You know, a lot of the speculation around Polycom is that, you know, what's going to happen with all these changes with Cisco, right? You know, on the surface, it looks like Polycom and Cisco are competitive. Um, what I would also say is, you know, a lot of service providers, including Macergy, are now deploying Cisco endpoints. So, in my mind, and from what I hear, this is probably going to be more of a benefit to Cisco injecting their hosted phones in back into the marketplace. But based on the amount of endpoints that are out there already, um, you know, the, the proven performance ability of Polycom out in the market, that's not going to go anywhere for quite some time. And I think Cisco has made it clear that their their intention is not to supplant all of the different polycom endpoints that are out there they're really just looking to bolster their own strategic initiatives and branch out into the cloud no it's it was a it, it was a genius play it was a genius play i wonder how i actually wonder how many polycom phones are actually out there in the environment it's got to be i mean the numbers have just got to be astronomical so and the fact that absolutely they are your customer is even cooler. Let's talk, just give me a couple of success stories. Let's go through a couple of scenarios. And I say this because 
I honestly think a large organization like, I don't know, multi-location, multi-state hospital network, for example, or massive manufacturer and, you know, shipping and receiving logistics company, right? Some of these, you know, with international locations, okay, all over the world. I don't think they think or would even know to go Macergy. I just don't think they would do that. So how do you even go about making them aware of that? Because I, I, I honestly think, and I wrote an article about this, you know, your, your PBX is dying and you're thinking of buying another elephant in a pink tutu. And, and what I mean by elephant is, I mean, you're going to go make this another huge, massive purchase that's going to be a complete circus act to install and to roll out all over the world. And in the end, you're going to have an elephant. That's what you're going to have in the end. You're going to have this elephant that's just dying. It's going to die. So how do you even, and I think people, when they go to look at a new purchase or their PBX equipment or their voice services are coming end of life, I think people are still stuck in the mentality of, we've got to call this third party massive PBX vendor integrator. We, I think they, the first thought they think is Avaya or hopefully now Cisco, which is going to point them in the right direction. But how do you guys give me some scenarios who give me some enterprise sure. scenarios of customers that went with you guys. How did they even find you or even know to begin with? How did you go take me through the whole process kind of like A to Z? Sure. Yeah. And it's a great question because I think the way that people have perceived of these services um, is remains true, right? You know, in the, in the telephone business, it started off as you don't have a choice, right? You have one company bell that you're going to buy from and that's it. And, you know, as the, the deregulation happened, you know, over the last 30 years or so, um, you started to see more competition, but it, it was still at an enterprise level, you know, you were really kind of incentivized to go with the big well-known providers, right? Um, so the Avaya's, the Cisco's, and then on the telephony side, the, the Bell's and, you know, eventually Verizon and AT&T and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, those companies have the biggest brand awareness, but I think as you know, um, the, 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 the resurgence of telephony and the change that's happening in the marketplace is not happening from these big carriers that really kind of function, you know, closer to public utilities than a true service provider, right? We're seeing a lot of upward mobility from the smaller carriers, the ones that can really focus on something like hosted PBX or SIP trunking. And so, you know, from the buying side of the table, you're exactly right. These, these, these buyers don't know of these companies that are really more laser focused on, you know, on these types of services. They just know, okay, well, you know, um, this company is, uh, has, you know, billions of dollars in revenue, so they must be able to do this well. When the reality is, is the opposite. Um, the fact that they're bureaucratic and um, they're very steeped in their traditional products means they, they aren't as reactive. They don't have as much focus on deploying these solutions well. So I think one of the reasons why Macergy has been successful in that area is that we're kind of at the size where we're big enough to have the resources, uh, you know, global network operations centers, security operations centers, um, really advanced analytics, lots of uh, 
back office personnel and support and escalation tiers that allow us to uh, design and install and manage the services very well, but we're also not too big where we don't care, where we have to, you know, run into interdepartmental issues. So I, I think that's one of the ways that Macergy in particular has been successful. And I think that other telephony companies are looking to chip away at, you know, some of these, you know, more traditional uh, providers of enterprise voice over IP. Let me give you an example. 30,000 user company. Okay. That's good to know the phone's still ring over there. We got uh, 30,000 user company and their issue right now is they have to have a third party call center just to manage Mac requests for various different departments. That third party call center can handle the typical Mac request, but a lot of times they can't handle more complicated issues where they actually have to, you know, go to a, the manufacturer or say like a tier three or a higher level support just to make a change. Sometimes it takes a week to make, uh, to take care of a simple Mac request. So now this enterprise company has to pay for internal telecommunications departments they pay for a third-party call center group of people, which are basically glorified ticket takers, right? And then they're also paying another level of yearly ridiculous maintenance costs um, and one-offs on Mac requests. So the, the numbers are actually astronomical. Let's just take that scenario and throw it over the fence to Macer G. You've got I don't know, enterprise company that has 50 Mac requests a week. I don't think it's that much. I don't even think it's close to that, but I do know that they're paying an astronomical amount to just take care of those tickets. How does Mace G handle the Mac attack? Mac attack. <clears throat> hey, this is Chris. I can tackle that. So, <laughs> so a couple of things. So, you know, first of all, from our support perspective, um, you know, we do a lot of things that are that are very unique. From in, in a hosted user environment, um, users can simply dial 611 from any phone and get access to our tier one knock on a first call uh, resolution um, at about 90% rate. Um, you know, and and a specific example of that would be, you know, we we just closed a very large deal recently where that scenario was exactly what got us in the door. Um, with Verizon and their hosted platform, and basically they, the challenges that they ran into was exactly what you outlined, is they have you know, thousands of users, and in this case it was about 7,000 users, and how do you handle the MAC request? They, they literally had um, you know, resources deployed in a full-time manner just to handle the moves, ads, changes. So what we did is MacerD came in, and basically, you know, by proving our self-worth and, and what we do in the industry and do it well, and, you know, we're big enough to handle this type of, this size of customer, but small enough to take care of them well, um, things like the, the, the 611 and the first call resolution. So a lot of things that we can do from a support perspective, um, again, and we always tie this back to our net promoters, it's, it's the highest in the industry at, at a 74, 75, where the industry average is about a 25. And that specifically speaks to support. 
So for those of you out there that that may want to brush off, you know, ah, it's net promoter. I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, and you know, don't take it serious. You should because that is a third-party company that is querying our customers and saying, hey, how did they do on a scale of one to ten? How did they do? How how well do they support you in this enterprise environment? And and really everything's thrown out except a nine and a ten, and, and we scored a seventy-four percent, which is which is phenomenal. That's actually a really um, really big deal, and I'm only saying that's a big deal because thirty-eight percent of America, that means more than one third of America, says that telecom provides the worst customer service of all mm-hmm. industries. So that means more than one third of America basically says you guys are really, really terrible telecom in general. And you guys are, are not that if your customers are giving you nines and tens, and that really is, it's, it's a, it's a minor miracle. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and, and the other thing I'll add just to your previous question, you know, back to the global deployment, um, you, you know, it, we're global, we're in 23 countries and growing. Um, we have options global, globally. We can do DIDs. We can do gateways. You know, we're very transparent when it comes to our global offering to make sure we are meeting the requirements laid out by the customers. So essentially, if, if there's an in and outbound requirement um, needed in, in a specific country, we make sure that we can provide that telephony experience um, upfront. We're, you know, one of our core culture values is we're transparent. If we're not a good fit, we'll tell you we're not a good fit. Um, the other thing too I wanted I wanted to, to mention is the fact that we can do a hybrid type deployment. So you know you talked a little bit about companies that invest in hardware on prem and they're growing and moving and changing and going through acquisitions and such. Another unique attribute of Masonry is the fact that we can integrate into any PBX platform that's out there, whether it be a SIP trunk, a, a, a emulating a PRI, and provide them with a migration strategy from CPE to hosted and all the while creating one ubiquitous dialing plan between the CPE and the new hosted. So that, that, that alone sets us apart from a lot of the providers out there that, that really want to come in and rip and replace. And, and we all know how disruptive that can be. Yeah, no, that's huge. Especially when you have enterprise companies that have become enterprise through acquisitions or purchases and acquisitions where you have multiple various different types of uh, PBXs and phone systems. You may have a mix of Avias, Mitels. You may have PRIs. You may have analog lines, and you've got various different outages happening. And you need to have a roadmap and strategy for the future. And that roadmap and strategy shouldn't be let's throw out twenty million dollars to buy a new phone system and figure out who's right. going to maintain it. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Uh, and yet people are still doing that. And I'm finding on m- uh, multiple companies are stuck in the middle. They're stuck in the middle on a migration or a multi-million dollar migration. And by the time they get that migration done, the PBX is going to be completely dead anyway. So five years from now, they're going to finish their migration. Where are they going to be? Exactly. um, These are very tough. These are very, um, they're, they're tough business cases to be stuck in. Uh, Give me just, you know, thanks guys for your time. Give me maybe like, what are, give me some examples of some of your enterprise customers that you guys serve today. Sure. Hey, and, and um, Phil, let me just also mention, you know, one of the other questions you had was about, you know, how do you, you integrate these systems that, that enterprises have and have built their business plans around? So the other thing that I, I do want to mention is, you know, similar to the way that 
a lot of people, you know, take a look at their iPhone or their Android, and they've got all these apps and they've got all these programs and, and systems that are supposed to, you know, connect, you know, the large majority of them are, are being underutilized. And what we're seeing is the same is true for businesses, you know, just like, um, you know, your mother-in-law picks up her phone and is talking into the wrong end of it. And, you know, it, it's not connected to, um, you know, the, the, the systems that she needs to connect to. Businesses are the same way. They've got all of these platforms that have open APIs that can be integrated, CRMs, uh, ERP systems, Active Directory. And one of the big things they're missing out on is having an easy way to integrate them. You know, it's very daunting to say, okay, um, I'm going to go to this third-party developer who's going to build this system that only they can maintain and uh, will be able to marry my systems together. Or um, I'm going to have to staff full-time developers with uh, an endless set of goals and deliverables that are going to marry these systems together. So one of the things that, that Macergy does to kind of bridge that gap is we've partnered with uh, a company that allows us to do what we call iPass, which is really an integration platform as a service. So that's really meant to bypass the complexity of these APIs and give you a simple integration. So an example would be, you know, just down at Enterprise Connect, right, the center of, of enterprise voice, um, you know, minds and, and products and services, uh, we were able to demonstrate a tool that allows Active Directory to incorporate into Broadsoft provisioning. So exactly what you mentioned before, a company that wants to do these MACDs can do it themselves. They don't have to rely on a third party or they don't have to rely on, um, you know, support that might not be 24 by 7. You also have the ability to tie in things like employee onboarding systems or system administrations. So, you know, really, I think, you know, Muggs had mentioned our ability to do hybrid UCAS, and that's a big thing. You know, being able to design uh, solutions that can account for global offices, even if they're in a country, a country like China or India that don't allow for number portability. But the same is true on the rest of the application side. So, you know, tying in Active Directory, tying in databases, tying in CRM applications very easily is something that businesses are looking to do and they're looking for their service provider to help them with. Well, the truth is we've only barely scratched the surface of what you guys can do. We haven't even talked really about a single uh, feature and or benefit I think that goes without saying, like in the UCAS world, when you say UCAS in general, uh, I'm sick of talking about specific features and benefits anyways, because just about everyone has them, but the actual backbone and the network and the company behind it uh, is so important. So let's, again, you know, give me some examples. What, I mean, what are some of these enterprise sure. customers that you guys have rolled out? Yeah, I can give you a good example of one um, recently. We just did a, uh, completed an installation um, so a multi-location uh, global company that's based in the U.S., based out of Florida, actually, they acquired a company in Ireland. And, you know, the acquisition went through. They had uh, some demands on getting services up and running. So the ask of us was, can you integrate 
phone system uh, that we're going to put in in Ireland with the U.S. phone system, which is an asterisk system that we don't manage at all. Uh, and can you do it in 45 days? And the answer was yes, that is something that we can do, absolutely. So we deployed hosted handsets in Ireland. We're able to give them local numbers that they uh, actually reported numbers. So their existing numbers that were on all their advertising material and we were able to port the numbers that they have in that location, port the numbers that they have in their Florida location that are associated with SIP trunks, and then create a dialing plan across systems that allows the users to do uh, extension dialing, obviously at no charge, but fully integrated between the two systems. Nice. So, you know, this really allowed the company to, you know, they didn't have to buy another asterisk server and put it in, you know, this new location. Lots of hardware costs, lots of shipping costs, lots of coordination with multiple vendors. Um, they were able to rely, in this case, on a single vendor to manage the entire system and have a seamless platform, um, you know, that, that goes across it. And, you know, without giving away all the, the, the secret sauce, you know, we have the ability just, you know, having been, you know, in the business of, of making stuff work in the back end for, you know, the entire existence of our company to know all the, the, the tricks of the trade engineering wise to make these systems play nicely together. Do you have any names you can give out of companies, specific names? I'm putting you on, I'm putting you on the spot here. I'm putting you on the spot here. Come on. Well, who do you got? Yeah, who do you got? I, I mean, I, I've got. I want some yeah, names here. Probably, okay, we're. I'm into names better than I do. Okay. Yeah, listen, listen. We've got we've got a handful. So I mean, I think we talked about Polycom, right? Polycom trusts Maestri with our voice services. Yep. Um, you know, Cabela's is another big one. Uh, Amgen, um, large, very, very large SIP customer of ours. Um, Tesla, Patagonia, Weber, and we, we've got lots of um, enterprise space customers uh, that trust us not only with the voice offering but a lot of the the names that i just mentioned there are also network as well so you know and and it's interesting that you know more and more we're seeing in the voip space that voip is driving a lot of these other opportunities where traditionally you know we're talking network and then we uncover a voice opportunity well now with all the disruptions in the marketplace you know, forget about SD-WAN for a second, but look at what voice is doing and to layer that voice infrastructure on top of maybe an existing dead MPLS network, as you would say, that's when we can come in and say, yeah, you know what? Not every site is, is equal. We can do an MPLS and an SD-WAN and a hybrid type network deployment and layer in our VoIP infrastructure. But, but yeah, we've got lots of you know, big name clients Again, I think the other one is uh, Live Live Nation was another one. I mean, that's one where you know they really needed to have the utmost assurances for their uh, their uptime, and so the resiliency and the engineering and uh, and also the global capabilities from a porting perspective were one of the reasons why they chose us. Another one is Tesla. So you know everyone pretty much knows Tesla is kind of a forward leaning company very much aligned with what we do here at Masergy and guys so here's what i want to do for any potential enterprise it directors ctos ceos out there listening i want to offer a completely full 
uh, you know, network evaluation for them uh, at no cost. Are you guys willing to do that? <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I laugh, but I mean, you know, one of the things that we do at Macer G is, you know, we do a lot in the pre-sales process. You know, we're careful with how we, you know, we spend our resources. You know, a lot of times Pete, Pete, there are companies that it's will a yes or no. kind of. Pete, it's a yes or a no, man. <laughs> are you willing to do that? Yes uh, or no? For, like a, the first a qualified five. opportunity for you, sure. Okay, so first five that come to the table. Okay, good. Look, I mean, I don't you know. Let's just get to the point. Um, gentlemen, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks, both of you, for being on the show. And we're just going to have to do, like, you know, a small little mini-series here. We'll have to have you back for another show just so we can talk about how MPLS is dead and your other security products and, and really uh, some of the, the great things that you guys are doing in the marketplace. Sound good? Perfect. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Thank you, Phil. All right, guys. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, have a great day.